Coming up on the best of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, we catch up with the Western Bulldogs, Brooke Lachlan, the Hawthorne Hawks, Meg Hutchins, and the Essendon Bombers, Lisa Williams. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the third episode of the best of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. This program airs Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au and is available the following day as a podcast via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Just search for Women's Australian Rules Football. Before the final round of the AFLW season for 2018 in that huge clash between the Western Bulldogs and the Melbourne Demons, we had the privilege of catching up with the Bulldogs' Brooke Lockland. Most of you will know for that famous seven-goal performance against Carlton a few weeks prior at Witten Oval. We, of course, uh, started off by asking Brooke how did it feel to be at that stage at the top of the goal-kicking table. It does. It definitely does blow my mind. Uh, I don't think anyone would have thought that uh, I'd be up there. But, um, yeah, it's really, really nice feeling. And hopefully I can stay up there until the end. But obviously this weekend, um, it's, you know, we've got to kick goals. But we've also got to do the team thing. And, and I'll be doing that this weekend. So before we get into the big doggies and D's clash, let's take a jump back through time to your footy career. Now, you're part of the generation, aren't you, where the rule was back in place that there wasn't girls football for those in their mid to late teens and, and you had to stop your career, didn't you, early? Yeah, I did. So it was a, it was a little bit sad. I was I was the only girl in the in the team. I played with all boys um, when I was 11 and 12 and then, um, you know, at 13 I did have to stop and I was really, I guess I was a bit lucky that I did have another sport I could go off and do. Um, but for all those other girls, um, you know, all I've heard that it was really sad for them and they kind of, you know, disliked the sport a little bit because they really wanted to play and couldn't. So, um, yeah, I was really lucky I could keep going with sport. Back in the days at St Mary's in Greensborough, as you said, you took up another sport which helped take you overseas. There's been a lot about your ice skating, obviously, but you're also a very good inline skater. In fact, if I'm correct, uh, top five at the World Championships. Yeah, so I started with inline skating. Um, I did start ice skating a lot later in life. So inline, I started at four. And um, then when I went overseas, uh, I was living in Holland at the time. And ice skating is, I guess, one of their national sports. And so I started to do that in the winter and inline in the summer. So it was you know, a big year. I um, only got off about a month off each year. Uh, and that month was coming home to Australia to see family. And then I'd go back over there. So I was... There for about six years. And I guess uh, with that experience, you're able to compare the elite sports environment, everything that happens behind the scenes um, there in Europe to what you've now got at AFLW. Are they very comparable about the resources that were given to you, A, first of all, as an inline and ice skater over in Europe and now as a footballer in Australia? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, there's... You know, there there is a lot more help, I think, within the resources within an AFL club, um, and I think that's because you've got, you know, thirty thirty girls on a list, whereas uh, I was the only girl competing uh, in ice skating, so um, you know, probably less resources. But being in that elite environment, um, you know, you you really learn so much, and I feel like I've brought that to to AFL. 
A long way from Europe is Montmorency in northeast Melbourne, and somehow in 2014 you found yourself playing with the Magpies. How did that conversation come about? <laughs> it was quite a funny one. So when I came back from overseas, uh, I needed to, to obviously get a job. Um, so I started working at a pub, which my sister was managing at the time, uh, and I was cleaning a table of a, a group that were from the Montmorency Footy Club and they were having a little meeting and uh, I overheard them talking and I said, I just, you know, started started asking him a few questions and they said, well, why don't you just come down and play a few games? Uh, and I didn't mind the idea. I knew I wanted to find another sport. I just didn't know what it was going to be. Um, so played a few games for them and obviously, yeah, just fell in love with it again and, and it went from there. The Montmorency Magpies in 2014 played as part of the combined Division 3 and 4. They were split at the end of the year. And you end up uh, playing in a premiership in your first year of senior women's footy with the Montmorency Magpies, wearing number 35, uh, defeating Golden Point at Coburg. And if I'm correct, the club gave you the best player in the final series award. Yeah, they did. Um, so yeah, we're, we had a really good year, obviously, um, after it's after the the game or the group split. Um, you know, we we're at the bottom half, uh, but it was still really competitive for us. And playing my first year, you know, it, it's not bad to kind of, you know, um, get used to just playing again. And, and we were really lucky to win a premiership. And, um, you know, we played another another grand final next year after that. So, um, yeah, it wasn't bad to win another premiership, that's for sure. Coming into 2015, for that year with Montmorency, you would end up making the grand final runners-up in Division 2. You would win a best and fairest. You'd also uh, represent your state, Victoria 2, against New South Wales at Punt Road. It was also around the time of the exhibition games that were being played. Did that help change, I guess, your attitude to football, that, okay, this is not just a, a friendly kick in the park. This is something that I can do and take further? Yeah, definitely. I I honestly just started footy to get back into some kind of sport and I really just wanted to do it for fun, for competing at a, a high level for so long. Um, I wanted to be in a team sport and somewhere where I could just have fun and, and enjoy enjoy sport. But it did, yeah, it definitely did get to that stage where I was like, oh, you know, I, I could pursue this and, and, and go further. So, um, and I wanted to do that and, and then obviously – we didn't know back then, but now that we've we've got eight AFL teams, and um, you know that's it's really exciting. We didn't know it was going to happen, and it's booming, and um, we can't wait to see the competition grow further. Coming into 2016, unfortunately, Montmorency didn't have the numbers to field a senior women's side that year. So yourself and Deanna Berry had to hit the road and find a new club. How did it come about to choose Melbourne University as your club of destination? you've really done your your research um yeah so we didn't yeah we didn't have enough numbers um we didn't want to fold but unfortunately we had to but obviously it was the best thing for mine and Deanna's football and and we had Bailey Hunt as well um and we 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 weren't sure where we wanted to go we knew we wanted to play VFL uh there was a few options but um you know we we really felt like we were a fit at Melbourne Uni, and it's really paid off for us. Indeed, it has. And uh, when you played for them in 2016, they would end up making the uh, VFLW Grand Final for that year at Coburg. 
Um, a good start to the year early, uh, obviously, last year as well in 2017. But being in Melbourne Uni, being in the VFL, put you into the spotlight. It saw you selected in the draft. But you had to wait about, I think, if I'm correct, round seven of the draft when you finally got uh, picked up by the Bulldogs. What's that nervous wait like when round one goes, round two goes, round three goes, and your name still hasn't been called at that stage? <laughs> yeah, it feels like a lifetime, definitely. Um, you know, I think I was at pick 56 or something like that, so it actually probably isn't a massive wait, but when you're sitting in that room, um, you know, you're sweating and you're just not sure. You, you just don't know if your name's going to come out. So um, when I got called, um, oh, just massive relief and I'm really excited that I got to go to the the Bulldogs and they're a great great club great bunch of girls and um, yeah hopefully uh, we can make a grand final this year you only have one ever first and of course that was the first game against Fremantle in 2017 that's when the Bulldogs kicked off their I guess journey in, in AFL women's football if we leave aside the exhibition games for a moment do you still remember that first day running out onto the ground in this official league? Oh, definitely. You, you never forget it. Um, you know, it was so nerve-wracking, I guess, leading up to the, f- the competition and the first game. And uh, at Wynnoval, we're so lucky with the fans that we have. And I, I think it was almost a lockout, 12,000 people. Um, and obviously after watching the, the Carlton Collingwood game and seeing that they had a lockout, we, we knew it was going to be pretty big. And, yeah, you, you run out there, you, you definitely take it all in. And, um, you know, to this day, we, we still kind of talk about it as a group that, you know, there's there's more than just – it's more than just playing footy and it's it's about the community and the fans and, and everything else that comes with it. The 2017 season was probably one of disappointment for the Western Bulldogs. In fact, in the last game, you took on the GWS Giants to try and avoid the wooden spoon, which is kind of funny as you're both trying to get a grand final (laughs) spot this year, how things turn quickly. Um, I think it was fair to say last year, particularly after KB went down with her first injury, that you were getting a lot of the ball in the midfield, but you were just struggling in the forward line to be able to finish it off and get reward for effort. Yeah, um, you never you never want to lose your captain, of course. And Katie's such an amazing player, and arguably one of the best forwards in the competition. Um, so yeah, it wasn't great to lose her. And um, you know, we we had a lot that we had to look at from last year. And Paul Groves has really done that, and um, he's taken in the feedback that we've given him, and he's put together a, an amazing program this year. And everyone's um, you know happy and. Um, obviously it's showing with our football um, but yeah so you never like to lose your captain um, but you know we're, we're hopeful that Katie will be back this weekend Let's talk about that pre-season because there's a lot of talk coming out that it was a skills focused pre-season that uh, we're not saying that strength and conditioning and game plan was thrown out the window but the greater emphasis was just on the basics, is that fair? Yeah, it is. Um, I think no matter how many years you've been playing footy, I think that everyone has to go back to basics. And um, I did that with my skating as well. Every year I'd go back to, you know, the things that you do when you're four years old and learning how to skate. And I think it's really important to, you know, go back to the fundamentals and get that right. And, and we did that. Uh, and it's it's honestly really paid off and We've been really lucky. We've had our development coach in Andrew uh, Shakespeare, who's been great. Um, 
and yeah, it's paid off for us. So, yeah. This season, as much as the Bulldogs were having success, some of the dominoes began to fall one by one. You lost Daria Bannister to an injury. Then you lost Isabel Huntington to the ACL. Then Katie obviously missed quite a few games as she went down with the ankle injury again. This is just before that game against Carlton, just before you would end up kicking that seven goals. What's the mood and thinking at that time? You've essentially lost, you've almost lost your forward line, or at least the spine of it. Was it a case of we already have plan B ready, or was it during that week of Paul saying, I need to go to to scratch and this is the new plan that we're creating? Yeah, it wasn't ideal. Obviously, losing Dara and Izzy, they're both amazing athletes, amazing footballers who had a great pre-season and um, it's just not something you want to see um, with any anyone in the competition, you know, not your teammates, not anyone else. So it's not a, it's not a good thing to see, but we were really, um, you know, we've, we've got the depth in our team and we knew that someone was going to come in and step up. Um, and, yeah, we did go with a bit of a smaller forward line and we had to. We lost we lost Katie as a tall and, you know, Izzy and Dario were quite tall as well. So um, we knew that our smalls were, were really good footballers and we needed to step up and um, it worked out. It worked out for us. So, um, yeah, it's not ideal losing them, but they'll come back next year, that's for sure. Well, it worked for you in that game against Carlton, seven goals, three in the end, uh, setting the record for the highest amount of goals kicked in a single game in AFL women's football. How do you feel coming out of that game that now the spotlight's been turned to you? You're now one of the star players that's held on a pedestal at the Western Bulldogs after that performance. Yeah, it's been it's been a challenge. Um, you know, each week I'm probably getting a lot more attention on the field, and it's been uh, as, as I said, it's been a challenge for me, and it's something that I've had to learn and and really grow from. But I'm so lucky I've got the coaching staff that we do to be able to to help me with that. And obviously, I've gone to Katie, um, who's as I said, one of the, the greatest players in the competition as well. And she gets a lot of attention each week. And I've really learnt from her. And it will be really good to have her back on the field this week. You had a tough battle last week in Canberra with the GWS Giants. They would end up getting the chocolates. And now you're in this position. You're at your home deck Saturday night, national TV, free to air. You're taking on the side that began the exhibition games with you, Melbourne, uh, in a yeah. battle of whoever wins gets the grand final spot and essentially the host uh, rights for the grand final, even though we believe it'll be at Icon Park. How do you feel coming into this game that this is it, all the chocolates are on the table, this is the game where you must win and it's the big Saturday night audience? Yeah, we're really excited that we are at home and we've got a great crowd and it's always good vibes at, at Wit Noble. We know it's massive, a massive game for us, but we're just going to focus on our game plan and we know that um, we've got to take the game on and take some take some risks and Melbourne are a great side and they're going to do the same and we're both going to come out hard and we know that and hopefully we can just put on a good show and and the best team at the end will at the end will win and hopefully it's us. <laughs> Has there been much talk from Paul about the intensity of this match? I mean, we expect Melbourne to be a very physical and intense side anyway, but for the simple fact is that there is no tomorrow, everything in the kitchen sink's going to be thrown at you. Has there been much talk of how to cope with that intensity and to keep your composure during it? 
Um, we've obviously just spoken about ourselves and the way we want to play. And we know that when we play our best, best footy that we're a great side um, and we respect them. They're a great side as well. So, um, yeah, we, we just know we need to go out there and, and win the ball first and, and really attack from there. And just finally, obviously, two players that you hope that are going to continue their red-hot form for the Western Bulldogs. And you have the privilege of playing alongside them when you pull on the Melbourne Uni jumper is Ali Blackburn and Emma Carney. Are you just in awe of those two every time that you manage to run out and get to play alongside them? Oh, of course. How can you not be in... Um, you know, I have so much respect for those two girls. When I started football at Melbourne Uni, I had absolutely no clue what I was doing and I got chucked into the midfield with, with them two superstars and um, they've really taught me so much um, with my footy and they've really helped me grow and learn and um, along along with that, they help, you know, everyone else in the team as well and they're leaders and they, you know, they're, they're big ch- game changers as well and I think that you'll see that, hopefully you'll see that on Saturday night as well. But yeah, they're absolute superstars and so lucky to play with them, that's for sure. The summer of 2017-2018 saw a lot of change in the Victorian Football League women's landscape. First of all, the Box Hill Hawks, who'd only just been in the competition for a year replacing Knox, ended up being rebranded as the Hawthorne Hawks, coming fully under the Hawthorne Football Club banner. At the same time, a number of traditional VWFL clubs departed the VFLW competition, one of those being the Eastern Devils, meaning the players needed to find a new home. One of those was Meg Hutchins, who, of course, was one of the founding players of the Collingwood AFLW side, but would end up finding herself delisted by the end of the 2018 AFLW season. So what would the VFLW season have in store for her, as we'd later find out, her first premiership medal. Here's our interview with Meg earlier in the year, just after she had announced her retirement from playing in the AFLW. I'm very well, thanks, Peter. Yourself? Not too bad at all. I do have to ask the question, how does it feel to be wearing some different coloured stripes, being the brown and gold? Oh, look, not too bad. Look, we've just gone into colour TV now. So, <laughs> uh, no, no, it's it's, uh, it, it's great. Um you know they're they're a wonderful club. Um, you know their history speaks for themselves, and um, yeah, it's a bit of a, a change in scenery. But um, you know, I think if you embrace the club, the club embraces you, and I've certainly felt that uh, since day one. As much as it's a new club for you, in a strange way, it's a little bit of a homecoming, isn't it? Because obviously you played for the Eastern Devils for quite a number of years, and being based out of Waverley Park, you're literally a kilometre, kilometre and a half from your old home ground. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty easy to get out there. I was sort of um, yeah, just going to old memory mode, and it's easy to get out there. Sort of instead of having to go down the hill towards um, yeah, towards Mulgrave Reserve, we sort of just stay on the top of the hill and turn right into um, Waverley Park. So yeah, it's uh, it's pretty familiar surroundings. I want to step back for a moment, pre AFLW career and what you have now at Hawthorne going forward to uh, 2013 and 2014. At that time, you were representing the Bulldogs in the AFLW exhibition matches. At that stage, the plan for AFLW was 2020, it was going to start then. If that had happened, you were going to be 38 years old at that stage. Was anything running through your mind at that, at that moment thinking, Am I going to be able to make it? Will they draft me at age 38? 
Um, yeah, look, it, it did certainly cross my mind um, that, you know, if it was 2020 and I did do the math and, you know, I was going to be at, at that ripe, ripe age. But, um, you know, I, I sort of also had the opinion and if I was sort of still playing some, some reasonably good football, um, that I may have been re- required at that point in time. So, um, but, you know, it it, uh, it got brought forward to 2017 and, um, yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to get an opportunity. Can you tell us how crazy that last two years heading into AFLW was? Because yourself and at least 100 other women, particularly in Victoria, uh, were not only just playing state league football, you were playing a bunch of exhibition games, and all of you also did the Women's Academy over the summer. How crazy was that two-year period where barely any of you actually got a break? Yeah, we, we played a fair amount of football in that time. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, you... You kind of yeah do what you what you want to do and what you what you have to do I guess to to, to live out that dream and um, for for so many years we always have just played footy because we love playing footy so the more opportunity to play football um, the more we sort of just took on that that opportunity so um, it was it was busy busy time and it was a really exciting time as well though because we knew it was coming so um, everyone was really willing to to put in the effort. As you got closer and closer to the AFLW um, beginning, uh, you played for the Bulldogs in the game against Western Australia at Etihad Stadium. Uh, in that game, you tore your lateral meniscus in your right knee. Um, yep. a, a, a lot was going on because not only AFLW was coming, but the Eastern Devils were performing well that year and finals was on the horizon. What's going through your mind at that stage thinking, oh no, something's happened to my knee with finals football and <laughs> AFLW coming? Yeah, look, the, the immediate um, focus was straight away, you know, my, that I was going to miss football with the Devils. Um, you know, I, I, once I sort of had it diagnosed that it wasn't um, the worst of the injuries, then that was sort of my immediate focus to get back in time, um, you know, to, to hopefully play some finals football with the Devils. It was it was difficult. Um, you know, touch wood, it was probably the, the worst injury I've had over the you know, over a long amount of time. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was difficult to get through, but, um, you know, I was probably thankful I had the support of the club and everything like that whilst I was there. So, yeah, it was it was challenging, but, um, you know, you, you learn and you grow and you get better through those experiences. So, um, yeah, I was just thankful that it wasn't the worst of the injuries and um, I was able to sort of get back into, into some reasonably good shape. Let's talk about the Eastern Devils for the moment, particularly for the for the long service that you had there. In 2004, you were a Helen Lambert medal winner while you were there. You won six All-Australians. But, of course, you won the goal kicking between 2005 and 2008. But most of us know you now as a brilliant key defender. When did the switch actually happen for you to go to defence and how did that conversation come about? Um, I think it was around about 2009, 2008, I think. Um, we had a change of coach. So we had Leanne Gill uh, come to coach us at the Devils. I think that's when we also made the shift to um, East Burwood as well. So um, she sort of just, it wasn't so much a, a, a long conversation. It was probably more so... Um, I think you'll be better off playing in this role uh, from now on, and um, you know I obviously embraced that uh, that opportunity and um, learnt on the go, I guess. So um, yeah, and obviously I got to got to thank thank Gilly for that for seeing that I was capable of um, in playing that sort of that sort of role for the team, and um, yeah, I really enjoy playing down there. So yeah, I kind of feel like it sort of um, added a little bit to my artillery belt that 
I could potentially sort of go, um, you know, forward or back on the field and, and contribute to um, to the team performance. A lot of great memories at the Eastern Devils for you, number of finals campaign, and uh, what was the legendary Watto week a couple of years ago. Um, the question is, have you got a refund on your T-shirt since she's come back? <laughs> Yeah, I know. We tell her that quite often, actually. What a week. I'm like, well, we're not going to have another one of them now. Unfortunately, when she retires again for the second time, um, we might have to start calling her John Farnham. She keeps on coming back. Last year, um, we had the privilege of the final round of the VFLW to be at Mulgrave Reserve, where we called the Eastern Devils versus Geelong. Um, yourself played in that game, and, and like the role of old, you, you pushed forward and kicked a goal or two. Perko came back for that game, flew in, and, and also kicked a goal or two. Smitty was best on ground. But the one thing that we said during the call, we said, geez, there seems to be a lot of emotion in this game. And, and that was highlighted at the end when the whole group got in a, a circle uh, post-final siren. Um, did you know at that stage or was there an inkling amongst the group of this is the final time we'll play together in a state league? Yeah, look, I think um, we all sort of had a feeling that, that was that was the potential to happen um, without it being confirmed. But we could sort of see what was coming on the horizon. And, um, yeah, it was certainly a, a pretty um, yeah sad time, but also a time for us to really um, enjoy um, our football together for the last time as, as a group. So, um, yeah, it was it was one of, it was pretty a, a memorable game. Um, like I've obviously played in a few, and I'll put it down to sort of one of the more enjoyable games I've been a part of, despite the conditions. Um, yeah, it was just a really nice nice way to sort of finish off our our playing days, I guess, at, at the Devils, and um, yeah, to sort of have a one club sort of moment at the very end was it was really really great so um yeah it, it certainly was sad times but yeah we could we could see what was coming in the i guess in the not too distant future and um made the most of that game is that probably the lucky thing for your club that you as much as it wasn't official at that stage you kind of saw it coming because speaking for example in previous interviews to Phoebe McWilliams and Penny Cooler Reed of the St Kilda Sharks, they felt like there was unfinished business because they'd ended in a preliminary final and thought they were going round again. Same for Diamond Crook, who made a grand final. They felt they were going round one more time. Do you felt that for the Devils, the blow was a bit softer because you had that game and you had that moment? Yeah, look, it's, it's certainly... Um, no, nothing was going to make it easy, I guess, but I guess in knowing that it was going to be the last game of the season, we kind of embraced it as potentially, um, yeah, it was going to be the last time as a VFLW team. So, um, yeah, I guess we were kind of fortunate in that sort of sense, but also unfortunate because we weren't playing finals either. So, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of it's, – it's, it's difficult sort of, um, yeah, knowing that a lot of players didn't quite know if that was the last time that they were going to pull on their jumpers. But, um, yeah, it's, it was certainly a challenging time for a lot of people. And, and how weird does it feel during this preseason that we now see social media photos online? You see your buddy Smitty down at Casey. You see Kendra and uh, Major up at uh, Essendon. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very very strange. It's it's really really strange. Um, you know, we're basically going to come up against each other every second week now because we're sort of spread around the the whole of Melbourne. So some some at Casey, some at uh, Williamstown. There's some at um, the St Kilda, there's yeah, some at Essendon. So, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty strange coming up against them all um, every week. But, um, you know, they've got opportunities now at, at uh, 
you know, really strong um, established clubs and um, I can't can't wait to see sort of what they're capable of, of doing. Just hopefully not against us. <laughs> T- turning to Collingwood for a, a moment, and uh, obviously we don't want to pry into too much detail, but obviously it was famous that you're the one that wrote the letter to Gary Pert to be taken on board at Collingwood, not only as a player, but obviously in an off-field role, which uh, you've been there for two years and now have left. Um, from, from your point of view, was it everything you expected it was going to be like behind the scenes of, at an AFL club, or was it a real eye-opening experience? Um, oh, look, you know, it was definitely sort of what I what I expected, but um, there was so much more to to putting a, a football team on a park. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a wonderful experience and a really... Um, really great learning experience as well to be part of it and to sort of see all the cogs moving in, in, in one direction. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely um, yeah, a great experience to sort of see what it's like on the inner sanctum of a footy club. And um, yeah, I'll certainly yeah remember all those times really, really fondly. Indeed, you're moving on from Collingwood to Hawthorne now. How hard is that actually to, I mean, you were only there for two years, but to walk away from a club that, at the same time, you'd followed through all your childhood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely the most one of the most um, challenging things is you got to sort of switch off that emotion and um, make a decision based on you know what's sort of right for for you at this point in time and and your own development. So um, yeah, it is it is tough walking away from from the footy club and um, you know as as you said, particularly one that I've I've grown up barracking my whole life and uh, also sort of one that I've had a, a pretty um, strong presence in sort of the last couple of years, but um, yeah, I guess the saying goes, you know, when the, when the time's right, you just have to um, make the decision and and step away and, and sort of look at forging a new path. So that's sort of what I've done, and I'm really excited by you know what the future will hold. And of course, n- now you find yourself at Hawthorne, which I guess an easy decision with your partner Steph being in there. But prior to joining Hawthorne, did they sound you out first, and were you fielding offers from other clubs as well who were interested in your services? No, I wasn't sort of fielding any offers um, at all. I, I sort of um, made that own decision myself. Um, like obviously, personal relationships played some small part, but it wasn't um, the, the be all end all. It was it's actually sort of conversations I'd had with, um, you know, a few of my friends that had been training there, um, but also just off the back of a conversation I had with with Patrick Hill um, and and sort of his coaching philosophies and what his values are, and and they really aligned with, um, you know, what what I sort of want out of my footy as well, and and how I see football too. So. Uh, it was probably more so a conversation that I had with the coach, that which I sounded out, um, and you know I guess all the other other stuff involving, you know, personal relationships and also um, my friends there, um, that was sort of almost just the cherry on top. So um, yeah, all, all the stars aligned, and um, yeah, I guess I, I approached them and sort of sounded them out and and gave them my intent to want to play for them. And that sees you in the brown and gold. Just turning just for a moment again to off-field, because you had left Collingwood as a player, but obviously as an employee as well, where does that leave you career-wise? Uh, kind of just in a, a little bit of a, um, a point where I can just sort of sit back and, and just assess, you know, what I really, really want to do in terms of um, my own career path. So obviously I've had the experience uh, at Collingwood, working in the operational side of things, and um, did a little bit of professional development in the player development space as well. So, just take a little bit of time and and um, catch up with a few people, and 
um, just work on sort of where where my strengths lie um, and, and where my passion really is really at. So, um, I mean, time is of the essence. Uh, I don't want the world to run dry, but um, yeah, certainly keen on staying involved in in football in some capacity. But um, just want to make sure I make a really informed decision as to so what that looks like in in the future. And on that going forward, at some stage for all of us, the time clock runs out and the body says, look, we can't go at the top level anymore. When that day does come, have you looked at what path might suit you best? Have you thought administration? Have you thought coaching? Have you even thought media? Uh, no, I've got a face for radio, I think, so I might just stay on the radio now. Um, no, I haven't really given it too much thought. Like That's probably what I'm thinking about over the next little while is to – what my next career path is. Um, so yeah, I mean, it could be it could be coaching. I just need to sort of have a little bit more um, work experience in those areas and and um, really experience it. I guess a day to day, yeah, a day to day experience in those roles. So yeah, haven't quite worked that one out yet. Um, but yeah, as you, as you did say, that the the time is ticking and um, you can't play footy forever. So yeah, I'll be using the next little while just to work work that one out. Interesting to see some new friends that you'll be making at Hawthorne. I know, as we said, like Steph's there. We've obviously got Lou Watton, Sarah Perkins, you know, your former Devils teammates there. But players like uh, Beeson coming down from the Giants and another Giants footballer, of course, who was a St Kilda Shark, Phoebe McWilliams, joining you in the brown and gold. Yeah, that's really, really exciting. You know, when I um, when I saw that those girls had had, uh, had signed up with the with the team, it certainly made me just that little bit more excited um, to get to training and, and to get going. Um, like I've sort of played in a couple of state teams um, with Phoebe, um, but you know that only really lasts for you know it's really only a week that you go away for where you play together. So to be able to get a whole season with her is really really exciting. And um, yeah, we're sort of like new. It was in the first day at school when we first saw each other, and uh, it was a really, really exciting time when we had our first session together. So, and also, you know, players like Diana Haynes as well. I've sort of spent so many years playing against her. Um, to be able to, you know, play alongside her for a whole season is pretty exciting as well. So, with Hawthorne, you'll run out for the 2018 VFLW season. Are you going to be throwing your hat in the ring again for the draft for the 2019 AFLW season? Yeah, well, we have to wait a little bit until we see sort of what the what the whole landscape looks like. I don't think the uh, the AFL um, and they're sort of working with the AFL Players Association have quite um, worked out what the actual list build mechanism is at the moment. So once that sort of gets established and and um, is sort of set in stone, then we'll have a little bit of an idea about what my options are. So until that sort of gets locked in, we don't really know. Um, yeah, what, what that kind of looks like. So I um, guess I'm probably lucky that I've got um, a, a manager that can sort of look after those types of things and have those conversations. But, um, yeah, my immediate focus is just playing some really, really good football for, for Hawthorne and the VFL. And, um, yeah, I certainly believe that I have still have a little bit left in me and um, yeah, can make a meaningful contribution at the highest level at AFLW. So we'll just have to wait and see. And um, But as I said, yeah, my immediate focus is – Knuckling down at uh, at VFL level at the Hawks, and I guess that's probably one advantage you have going into this draft, particularly um, if you end up being in the expansion draft uh, with North Melbourne and Geelong in there as well. Is that there's going to be a bunch of eighteen year olds there, but very little senior players who are able to offer leadership, and I guess that provides you an advantage. Yeah, look, I certainly um, believe that I have a lot to offer in that sort of sense, um, but then also I want to be able to provide 
um, you know, a, a lot of, you know, performance-based um, positives, I guess, for the team as well. So, um, yeah, like I, I, I believe that I have obviously, you know, great um, ability to, to help develop people and, um, yeah, to show leadership with the younger players. Um, so, yeah, w- whatever comes my way, I'll, I'll, I'll consider it, that's for sure. And uh, also heading into this uh, VFLW season, you come off the back of five AFLW games. Has there been much chat with Paddy Hill about how many games you will play this year in the VFLW competition if you'll play a full season or be rested for periods? Um, no, there hasn't really had been any conversation. I'm sure I'll have some form of conversation over the next uh, couple of weeks with him about that. But I guess I'm I'm a little bit different to the other AFLW girls is that currently I, I, I don't have an AFLW home. Um which can dictate sort of what, how many games I'll play or what my playing load is. So at this point in time, um, I'll be playing, you know, as many games as I possibly can, but that might change if I, uh, if I find a new AFLW home. So we'll just have to wait and see with that. But, um, you know, Paddy's, you know, really supportive of and understanding that I probably know my body better than anyone else. And if I need a bit of a break, I, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's welcoming to, to let me have that. So, um, yeah, I work with him and, and obviously the uh, the strength and conditioning team there at Hawthorne and um, just do whatever's best for the team, I guess. And if I need a break, then I'll, I'll have a break. Final question and, and probably toughest one. Um, you made your debut in the VWFL in 2003, so 15 years ago. And in that year, you won <laughs> the best first year player. 15 years, a long time in footy. But what do you think is your favourite memory out of the game over that period of time? Oh goodness, you're taking me back a while. Um, oh look, I, I I can't really, I guess, um, pinpoint one particular memory. I mean, there's so many different ones. Um, yeah, you know, obviously playing in a couple of state teams with some legends of the game. In you know, Debbie Lee, Shad McFerrin. Um, they are obviously you know incredible memories. Um, yeah, but I guess probably the most recent memory really is that that last game that we played um, for the Devils was was really really great, um, a really great way for us to sort of finish off, and it was just a really good team game where everyone was just um, having fun and enjoying themselves, and it was kind of like the footy of old as well with uh, you know with a little bit of sprinkling of um, new talent. So that was probably one of the the more enjoyable experiences for me, but um, I, I haven't really had the uh, the ultimate success yet. I haven't had the chance to. To play in a grand final yet, so I'm I'm hoping that sort of that that memory's still uh, about ready to be written. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll to be continued. Hopefully, to be continued. Well, Meg, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best with Hawthorne throughout the VFLW season, which no doubt we'll be calling you on RSN Carnival. And then, of course, uh, when you throw your hat in the ring for the draft for 2019. Many thanks. Cheers. We saw a number of new teams enter the VFL Women's Competition in 2018, one of those being the Essendon Football Club, and their inaugural captain would be a veteran of the Diamond Creek Women's Football Club, Lisa Williams. Here's our interview with Lisa prior to the start of the season. Hi, Pete. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for having me on the air, and yeah, all, all going really well. How are you? Now, not too bad at all, and as we speak to you, um, you've just gotten back home. I need to ask the question, was that getting back home from work or the 2012 Diamond Creek Premiership reunion that was held on Saturday? 
No, being a very responsible secondary teacher, I was getting home from work. But um, yes, we did have our 2012 Premiership reunion and past player and supporters day on uh, on Saturday for Diamond Creek, which was um, yes, yeah, awesome. Very, very, very good um, to have a good reminisce with the girls, and uh, yeah, great to catch up as always. Can I just mention the fact that that happened in 2012? That was before all the AFLW exhibition games and two seasons of AFLW football. It's actually only six years ago, but, geez, that seems like a lifetime away compared to everything that's happened. Yeah, well, we um, one of the one of the girls from our football club, Laura Fraser, actually happened to document the whole year um, by filming. So from pre-season all the way through to our grand final, so which is amazing. But we've actually never seen the footage. So after six years, she dug it out and did all the edits and whatnot, and um, yeah, had documented the, the whole year. And it was actually amazing to watch, especially now sitting in the room with. Um, majority of the girls who played AFLW are still playing AFLW. Even just watching, um, you know, watching footage of the training during January when we've got, you know, twelve girls there running around, flogging it out um, at, you know, one of the top sort of um, state league clubs in Victoria. And um, yeah, to watch it and then to see how far the game has come, and it was just so, um, yeah, it was amazing to watch. But yeah, such fond memories. And that's a challenge to Laura Fraser. We need to see that vision, uh, the vision that's okay, family friendly. We need to see that well, on YouTube. Us, it, it took us six years to see it. So I don't know how long it would take to get out further than that. But um, yeah, she did an awesome job. As we mentioned, from 2012, a lot happened. We, we get to the eve of 2017. We're talking October 2016. The first ever AFL Women's Draft happens. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. The first hour and a half or so, because it was 140-odd picks that day, the numbers are getting into the 80s. They're getting into the 90s. Your number ha- hadn't been called at this stage. What's going through your mm-hmm. head thinking, oh, my God, there's only something like 50-odd picks to go? Um, well, I'd actually I'd actually had some communication with um, uh, some, foot- some football clubs in the lead-up to the AFL draft. So I, I sort of knew my name was being thrown around and not, not in the higher numbers. And I knew, you know, looking at the caliber of players that were going, you know, top numbers, I didn't expect to sort of be in that, that first 50 or, or, or along those lines. But then when it started to get to, you know, the 80s and 90s, I thought, oh, I'm, you know, that's when I sort of thought I, I could be a bit of a chance here. But then also knowing, you know, there was girls and women all around the, the country that put their name forward. You just don't know the talent from other states, really, until now. We just, you know, we knew, obviously, what we had to offer in Victoria. I knew that there was such a um, a wide variety of, of skill and experience and so many amazing players that were, you know, coming out of the draft. So sitting there, I was actually, I came home from work pretty early that day. I was just so nervous, and I was sitting on the couch watching a live stream, and yeah, when my name got called out at 92 for the Bulldogs, I was just screaming and jumping on the couch and crying and just so elated. So, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing feeling. You got to play the 2017 AFLW season with the Bulldogs. You played in their opening game, the win against uh, Fremantle. You played six games of the season. So not a bad first up year by anyone's means. That first game, uh, round one against against Frio, at Witten Oval was, yeah, something I'll always cherish. And just the the, the excitement and the adrenaline that, that I know I felt and all the girls and having felt was just insane. It was nothing like we'd ever experienced before. And 
Um, I remember going into to sort of start our warm up in the in the indoor training facility, and we all you know stood up on the gym equipment and we peered our heads through the window at the top and and peeked our heads out and had a look, and we all just were like, oh my gosh, there's so many people! So you could just feel the atmosphere through the walls, and yeah, then to run out through the banner and then to get a win as well, it was just yeah something I'll just never forget, and yeah, it gives me goosebumps thinking back to it. it was it was really amazing. Come the end of the season, each club had to make seven compulsory delistings. There was no escaping it. Mm-hmm. Seven names had to be on the sheet. Unfortunately, yep. you were one of the names. Did, did, did you have an inkling beforehand that it might be you or was it a shock? Did you sit down and the coach essentially told you, prepare for the blow, this is reality? Um, so at the, end of the, at the end of the AFLW season, we all um, sat down and had our ex-interviews, which basically means, you know, before you go into that period where, you know, trades and, and the listings and all that sort of stuff happen, you sit down and reflect and discuss the season that was. Um, and I, I did that with, with our coach, Paul Groves, and, um, you know, we gave each other some pretty solid feedback back and forth. And um, and I, I knew that I hadn't had a great AFLW season or, or a great campaign in that, I sort of never really um, cemented my, my place in a specific role uh, within the team. I felt like, you know, one of my greatest strengths was probably one of my greatest weaknesses in that I was, you know, could be a bit of a utility and move around the ground but didn't, yeah, really sort of cement my, my spot position-wise. So I knew, and he was honest, you know, to say that, you know, it, it's likely this might happen. So when I got the call from the club to say that, that I was the list, obviously I was gutted and... Um, and, and would have loved to have continued on, but I also was very grateful for the opportunity and, and yeah, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't, a, sorry, it wasn't a complete shock, but it was, um, yeah, definitely, definitely disappointing, um, to get that call. So did you find the transition from 18 aside football to 16 aside with no wings a bit difficult? Because if I think about your play at Diamond Creek, you would normally pick up a lot of your possessions around the halfback region. Typically, you take it off halfback, go for a run, then try and find someone wide on the wing. With that mm. element and with those wing positions out of the game, did that make it difficult for you to try and find what would normally be your natural go-to? Yeah, well, I, I've actually played a lot of my footy on the wing. So, you know, half-back wing um, and a bit of, you know, rotation through the middle in the last couple of years. So I predominantly have played on the wing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, initially when, when we said 16 aside, obviously being mindful the wings would be out of the out of the positioning, I still thought, oh, that might, that might put my spot in jeopardy. But, um, you know, I think... Yeah, I, it, it was a bit of a strange transition. I can definitely understand why why they did it, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, I guess I couldn't really bring to the bring to the table what what the club and what what our team needed. So I guess that's why I, I did end up sort of getting the chop at the end of the season. But it was it was an interesting sort of yeah transition to go from eighteen to sixteen, and something that. I don't know, I'm still kind of not a hundred percent on which way I feel about it, whether it's great for the game or whether, you know, we should be playing eighteen side. It's yeah, I have been on the fence with that one. Now, throughout your time at Diamond Creek, you've been through a number of coaches in charge. You had obviously Grant Barton, who coached you to a premiership in twenty twelve. You had the likes of Brad Liederman, um, uh, who, of course, went on to be more of a coaching mentor role for Tanya Hetherington, who coached there for a year yeah. um, when she was out with her knee injury. And then you ended up with yeah. Scott Gowans, who, of course, is going to be an AFLW coach now with North Melbourne for the 2019 yeah. season. Um, looking across uh, those coaches, why do you think coaches like, uh, for example, Barton, who got you to a premiership, and Gowans, who got you close to a premiership, succeeded? 
Diamond Creek, our, our Creekers team, as as you, you would know, Pete, from probably seeing us and, and hearing us, um, we're a very, very unique bunch. Um, we're very, very much like a family. Um, and I know with Grant, a um, bit of an old school coaching style, but also really, you know, was we all really looked up to him in, you know, he, he actually has that real sort of fatherly figure in that, you know, his daughter's in the team and he sort of, he expected a lot from us, um, kept us really accountable, was always very honest with us. Um, and we, we had just endless amounts of respect for Grant as our coach. Um, so I think that and running out in 2012, playing, you know, alongside girls who are your best mates and you've trained with for months and years on end. And then to have, you know, your coach there who you just, you want to win for as well. I think that was just a, a really great recipe for us to, to get over the line in 2012. Um, and then last year, I mean, Scott was fantastic. Scott, um, I guess, completely different to Grant in the way um, which he went about his coaching, both both fantastic in, in, their own, in their own rights. And Scott had definitely more of that sort of professional elite culture coming from um, Carlton AFLW. Um, he was able to bring um, a wealth of knowledge around, you know, um, training structures and um, bringing in strength and conditioning coaches as well, um, and all you know, all the bells and whistles that you get with more of an elite facility. So, um, yeah, we're still sort of, you know, speaking of the girls, still sort of kick ourselves that we we didn't get over the line last year in the 2017, sorry, 2016, sorry, 2017. Oh gosh, I'm losing my years now. <laughs> um, grand final because we. Um, yeah, we know we had the we had the talent, hundred percent, and so I think maybe we we played our grand final two weeks early against Durban at Coburg, where we um we ended up beating them by about twenty five points in the in the semi final. But then yeah, come on to come the big stage that Eddie had, we just couldn't get over the line, which was a real shame. And um, yeah, it's hard, but I guess you you have to take the good with the bad. Just reflecting on the semi-final win for a moment when you, know, you beat Darabin, you actually beat them comfortably. I think the general mm. consensus was, and this is certainly not a knock on, on Brad or, or Tanya, it, throughout the year was, my goodness, how much the Diamond Creek side had changed. And it's not a case of, obviously, the players like Emma Grant and Ash Riddell coming into the team. But it mm. always been that Diamond Creek was always win the hard ball, get it out, kick it to the next contest, then try and win the next hard ball, and so on and so yeah. on. The composure of the side was completely different, cool and calm under pressure. Like we said, it's something yeah. we'd never seen before out of Diamond Creek. And like we said in that semi-final during the course, like you've got complete control of Darabin. You've got them in your grasps. Mm, yeah, and and I think that was one of the big changes. You know, we still had a lot of the same personnel in the team who'd been there for the previous, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. Um, obviously, a couple of new faces, as you mentioned, but... Um, we, that was a big change that we had in our training and in our structures and in our game plan. You know, Scott really, um, drilled home different types of play that we, that we would execute at different points in the match. Um, and, and we were a much, much better structured side, um, a much more clearly structured side. Um, and like you said, that, that came down to us, what well, showed that we had a lot more composure with the footy. We were hitting shorter targets, not bombing it long and, you know, just looking for the in and under and get it out sort of mentality. Although that did really work for us for a long time. It, um, yeah, it was definitely a lot more, a lot cleaner footy, I guess, last year would have seen compared to, to previous years. Come uh, early November last year, it was announced that the Devils, the Sharks, the Creekers, that's it, gone from the State League, no more. 
Um, as we spoke to players from those clubs in the past, particularly the Sharks, they were more shocked because they had announced uh, that they were going to hire a coach two, two days beforehand. So it kind of caught them by surprise and they'd just lost yeah. the preliminary final. They felt they were going to go on and had unfinished business. A bit opposite with the Devils, they'd kind of had a gut inkling around the middle of the year that the fate was coming. Uh, for you, you'd actually been involved uh, previously at committee level at, at Diamond Creek. For you, when did you kind yeah. of get that inkling or was it, Almost, you didn't hear to the last moment, and that's it. We all got to find a new home. Um, we, I guess, we had a, a couple of different discussions, you know, with with the team and um, at our presentation night um, at the end of the season, and, and there were there was always a question mark there. So we we always knew that it, it could have gone either way. So we were never completely shocked by the result. We. Um, we, we had a very unique situation and we had so many girls signed to AFLW clubs. We didn't know what the, the AFLW clubs were going to turn around and say, that, you know, you have to play VFL um, with us. And if that was the case, we would have lost, you know, 17 of our, or 17, 18 of our, of our you know, first 22 that played in the granny. So we, it was really difficult to know, um, you know, what the right or wrong answer is. And, and last year was the first year that I wasn't involved at committee. Um, I've been on the committee for the five years previous to that. So I wasn't, uh, you know, exactly privy to all the discussions that took place, but they were very open with us and, you know, communicating with us that, you know, we're going to aim to try and get this um, VFL license again for next year and they were pushing for that and there was that hope and then um, and then they, they were really good in communicating with us to sort of let us know prior to the announcement and unfortunately we've decided to, to keep um, Diamond Creek only at, at local level in the NFL um, and, to which obviously our girls were were um, upset by it, but also very understanding that that's what that's what um, the decision was made and why that decision was made. So, um, you know, we've all um, all girls who've left the club who've now gone to be for other VFL clubs. Um, you know, we're all still registered at Diamond Creek, and and that will be our local club. And um, we yeah, we we understood. Like I said, we we knew it was it was going to go either way. So. Weren't shocked, but obviously saddened by it as well. So that means you had to find a new home. When did the yeah. discussions, decisions, options be presented forward for you to go to Essendon? Um, well, it's, uh, it's it's interesting actually. My partner works at the football club, uh, works at Essendon, and and he um, and I had had a few conversations about you know the possibility of if Diamond Creek wasn't going to have a team where I'd play. Um, and him being involved in in um, some of the organisation and operations of the VFL women's team, um, I've spoken to him about it. We weren't quite sure whether that would be the right the right move to, um, you know, whether it be for my footy and for him professionally. We weren't sure if that was um, going to be yeah the best step forward. And then we discussed it and went back and forth. And I had a chat to some other clubs actually, and then. Um, Brendan Major was appointed as, as head coach and, and I, I'd spoken to him and he said, no, I want you, you're coming here, I want you to play at Essendon. And I thought, good, if, that's, if you want me, if head coach has asked me, then I'm, I'm going there and I'm so wrapped in the decision that that, um, that I've made and, and, and that they wanted me to come along to Essendon because it's been, yeah, it's been an amazing four, four months training alongside the girls and at the club and um, yeah, everyone's been fantastic. So I'm, yeah, very happy with my decision. Can you give us a, a comparison to what the training load is like compared to obviously when you were being a paid semi-professional at, at an AFLW club like the Bulldogs to an mm-hmm. AFL club but with a VFLW side at Essendon? Yeah. 
Um, look, it is quite it's quite comparative in that we're we're training in, in an elite facility, and anyone who's been to Essendon and has been to the Hangar, um, sorry, Essendon Football Club and been to the Hangar would know that it's um it's just next level in terms of the facilities and um you know the the Hangar itself with the indoor ground. They've got the two fields outside, one MCG size, one Eddie has size. They've got this amazing weights room and auditoriums, and it's it's so impressive, and <clears throat> excuse me, and that's one of the, the you know you walk in and it's just a complete selling point straight away. But but aside from that and how impressive the facility is, we've just found the club has been just so open and accepting and inclusive and respectful of a whole new team coming in um, into the club, and you know that's from the players and the staff, and that's something that I've really felt and um, really appreciated from day one. Um, in terms of the the standard compared to AFLW, it is like I said, it's quite comparable in that um, we're we're being treated as elite athletes, and that's the expectation, and that's what um, we're being held to to you know act professionally, to look after our bodies, to train at the you know at, the, at our best standard. And I think that's been really really positive, and we've got a number of girls in our squad who are who are quite young, just coming out of tap cup or just coming out of, you know, um, community football who are, you know, in their late teens, early 20s. Um, and, and an environment like this is going to be so amazing for them moving forward. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really, really great so far. Just having a look at some of the names that you've managed to uh, secure for this season, some of the names that we do know that have played in the VWFL for quite a long time. First of all, the obvious clubs like Diamond Creek and the Eastern Devils. First of all, out of your own patch, the likes of Kirby Hicks, a great defender, picking up Lauren Moorcroft, who's taking on an assistant coaching role as well. And uh, also, I spot a giant in your team, Tanya Hetherington. Yes, she was also a creaker. So, yeah, we've got... um some awesome Diamond Creek personnel who who are carrying on their VFL footy campaigns in Essendon, which is really great. And with and you know um, having having solid teammates like them who are also great friends is is really exciting and and really um, yeah all those girls you just mentioned are fantastic for club culture and and bring a wealth of experience and knowledge for the game, but also like I said, really good positive team culture as well. Also, having a look, you've got some uh, good Eastern Devils players in the mix as well that have come across. Chloe mm-hmm. Land, I know, is a small defender. Uh, uh, Liz Carney, who's obviously will be uh, doing a bit of the rucking role for you as well. And the ACL twins, yeah. Kendra Heil yeah. and Jessica Trend. Yes, Kenny and Trendy have, um, they're just coming back from their ACL rehab and they have just hit the ground running. Pardon the pun, they are just. Um, well, really, initially at the start of preseason, they were still going to their rehab program and have been, um, yeah, fantastic role models for anyone who's going through any sort of injury or in our rehab group. You know, did you see the dedication and the hard work that they've put into getting back on track? Um, and it's just second to none. So um, I know it would have been, you know, a very, very difficult time for those girls, especially having, you know, 18 months away from the game um, and to come back fighting fit and, playing great footy and having a really strong pre-season, those girls should be so proud of themselves because we are as their teammates. So, yeah, we've got some, some good experience across the board, which is fantastic. Uh, one other player I noticed, while they've listed her as, uh, well, first of all, two Sunbury players technically. You've obviously got Natasha Hardy out of Sunbury and yep. another girl who played junior footy at Sunbury but then played seniors at the uh, Western Spurs, Alex Quigley. 
Yes, yes. So both uh, both Quiggs and Hardy have had an awesome pre-season. Um, Quiggs is just such a he's got just such a, a natural football ability. She takes strong marks. She's got a beautiful kick. Um, I know she had a little bit of time away in recent times for um, for I believe a back injury. So um, she's coming back from that fighting fit and, and, and looking really strong. Um, and then Natasha Hardy, who's um, renamed our vice captain, is um, just returning to footy after having a baby last year. So she's um, she's had a fantastic preseason and uh, and such a positive role model for um, you know to be to be a young mum. And having, you know, I think I think her daughter Macy's about seven months old, and to be turning out to training and and not skipping a beat, and just you know, training in the house down, I think is just such an awesome awesome person to look up to, and yeah, we really admire her for it. And just quickly, your insight into three players: uh, the first one, which I was tipped off about, I think it's Callan Ward's sister, if I'm correct, uh, Aisha Ward. Yes, yes, correct. So Aisha actually works at Essendon Footy Club, so she's gone from working upstairs to coming downstairs and having a run around. And she um, has, has played a little bit of footy, not a lot at all, but um, she's just, from the start of pre-season, you can just see she's got amazing um, ability to learn and pick up the game really quickly. And and she's just, her skills have just excelled over the pre-season and she's going to be one to watch, I think. And two surnames that if I don't ask you, I'm going to get hung by those on the forum at bummerblitz.com. <laughs> Hello to all the blitzers there. Let's be honest, they want to know about Stephanie Hurd and Michaela Yalong. Both the girls have been great. We um, we have uh, had, obviously, both in, um, early on in pre-season. Michaela's unfortunately missed a little bit of um, training due to heading, um, heading back to Darwin to play in the local competition up there and um, has been out a couple of, couple of trainings here and there due to some niggly injuries. But other than that, she's got amazing natural skills. And, um, yeah, you can see she just, just knows the game really well from playing up in Darwin, but also obviously watching family grow up and her dad playing footy at Essendon. So she's been fantastic. And then Steph is relatively new to footy as well after, I think, playing predominantly tennis in her young years and playing quite um, high-level competitive tennis. She's made the move to footy and is one as well who who's grown so much over the pre-season and you can see that She's so determined. Even you know, early early on in preseason, during our time trials, you could just see the determination on her face. You just, you know, how hard she wants to work and how good she wants to, what really wants to fulfil the potential that she's got, which is fantastic. And she's only just turned nineteen last week, so yeah, she's got a long way to go in terms of her footy career. She's got, um, yeah, a lot of longevity there, which is exciting. For yourself personally, um, as we mentioned earlier, you'd normally play on the wing or a little bit towards half back. Uh, is Major looking to keep you in that role or looking to uh, reinvent you, not only for the Essendon side, but obviously also for your AFLW chances come the next draft? <laughs> well, um, I, I've in tracking matches, I've been doing a bit of work on the wing and, um, and in the middle. So I think probably around around the midfield and the yeah mid part of the ground is where I'll play most of my footy. But I'm always open to wherever the team would need me. And like I said, I've played a bit down back along the half back line. And last year we rolled up forward a little bit as well. So I'm I'm yeah I'm happy wherever wherever I'm placed. But probably yeah probably more so around the wing and maybe some midfield rotations at times I'd say. And the other important question to ask you is: Just last week you were given the honour of being the first women's captain at the Essendon Football Club in the club's 140-odd year history. 
What does mm-hmm. that mean to be a captain of a, of a club that has been around for so long and so revered? Oh, it's 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 amazing. I'm I was absolutely so humbled when um, I found out on Tuesday night we um, we went through a process and we all um, were asked to self nominate if we'd like to put up our hand for leadership group and. Um, through that process, um, there was, I believe, 15 girls, 15 of us who put up our hand to self-nominate to be part of our leadership group or captain. Um, and then through that process, each player nominated for um, who who they'd like to be the skipper. And I was just so um, overwhelmed and humbled and completely honoured when, when I found out on Tuesday that I, um, yeah, it was announced as captain of our inaugural team. And like you said, such a such a rich history the Essendon Footy Club has and something that um, I'm already so so honoured for but I know I'll look back on and continue to, to be yeah, amazed by that and be yeah, part of history our whole team is going to go down as part of history this, this coming Sunday when we play our first game and, and don the sash for the first time and first time that a women's team will be representing Essendon Footy Club so I'm yeah I'm so privileged and I yeah, I know the weight of the responsibility that I'm taking on and I can't wait for the season and see what we can produce together. Just quickly touching on the opposition in general and then, of course, for, for this Sunday. Uh, first of all, in general, how hard is it going into this season essentially not knowing what you're coming up against? You know some of the players, but because mm. everyone's been spread out from where their old clubs used to be and they're all at new teams and who knows what position they're going to play in compared to what coach is going to do what game plan, how hard is it walking into the great unknown? Yeah, look, it's, um, I was actually talking to... I work with, um, I actually work with one of the girls from Hawthorne who's playing at Hawthorne this year, Lou Watton. Um, we're colleagues at the same school together and we were just having a chat today because we took out our senior girls football team. We work at Roseville Secondary College in the RSA program and took out um, our senior girls football team and so we were just having a chat and saying it's just it's so hard to know what what, what each team are going to produce and what um, you know what each each team will look like. It, it's really a, a, a clean slate for the whole competition so It'll be interesting. It'll ever, definitely keep everyone on the edge of their seat and um, make us all really stand up and watch out for other teams when we get the opportunity to watch other games to see how teams structure up and where their strengths are and um, and know what we're expecting week to week. So it's going to be it's going to be really unknown for us, but also for everyone watching. So it's going to be yeah an exciting journey throughout the year. This Sunday, Windy Hill, 1 p.m. bounce down, your opening game mm-hmm. of the VFLW season. Free entry, by the way, for those people that do want to come along, taking on mm-hmm. one of the, well, at least club versus club, one of the greatest foes in Essendon history being the Hawthorne Football Club. Mm-hmm. How does it feel coming up against not only a club like that, but also just as a, a little spicy bit to add to our story at the very beginning from your 2012 Premiership reunion your captain in 2012 was Diana Haynes. She is playing for mm. Hawthorne. Yes, and uh, and if Daisy plays this uh, this weekend, it'll be a 150th senior game. So it's a massive one for Diana Haynes. I'm so proud of her. Once again, another another amazing woman who's just come back from having, having a baby and having a year off footy, having a beautiful little girl, Lockie. So, yeah, it will be strange seeing each other in the different colours. I guess the, the Essendon... Um, Black and red isn't too different from the Diamond Creek red and blue sash. But, um, 
yeah, seeing guys in in the uh, in the maroon and yellow or maroon and gold will be will be strange. But I know that she's she's such a fierce competitor that she'll be yeah, regardless of of how old Daisy is or whatever the circumstance, she's going to always bring her A game and is always a fierce competitor. So it'll be it'll be strange seeing her on the other side, you know, um, as an opponent. But um, I know it's going to be a great match. I know we've got. Um, so much talent that's going to be running out with us and like I said, varied levels of, of experience and ability but um, I know that a lot of other teams are saying similar and that they've got you know, a lot of younger girls coming up through the ranks and then we've got teams who have you know, varying numbers of AFLW players and I know that Hawthorne has recruited well in terms of their AFLW players so it'll be really interesting and, and a really exciting match on Sunday and um, yeah, we went and had our first training session at at Windy Hill last week and it's just oh it's it's an amazing place to be. You can just feel the atmosphere and just feel the history when you're out there on the ground and running around. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing feeling on Sunday running out for the first time and going up against Hawthorne. It's yeah, it'll be an honour and hopefully we can walk away with the with the four points at the end of the day. And there might be a slight a slight wry smile on the face of Essen supporters after you called Hawthorne Maroon and Gold instead of Brown and Gold just to uh, just to poke oh, them God. a little bit. <laughs> Stoke the rivalry early. Well, thank you very much, Lisa, for giving us your time here on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. We wish you all the very best this Sunday in your official debut in the Essendon Colours in the VFL Women's Competition, and we wish you all the very best throughout 2018. And cross fingers for you in October when the draft rolls around. Excellent. Thanks so much, Pete, and thanks for all the support for women's footy. And, yeah, get down and, and support the local local teams as well as the, the VFL um, women's teams. So it's going to be a really exciting year and there's just so much, there's so much depth now in women's footy and it's just getting bigger and better by the minute. And that concludes another best of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. Don't forget we air Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival Digital Radio, the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au and then are available as a podcast the following day via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Just search for Women's Australian Rules Football. I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for your company and until next time, it's bye for now.